1: Welcome back to Celtic State of Mind. Yes, we are 60 seconds late. I'll take the blame. I'm Paul John Dykes and I'm delighted to be joined on this Wednesday afternoon by Paddy Sinnott, John Hughes and Patrick McGill for an hour of Celtic chat. Thanks everybody for tuning in. Yesterday, YouTube had a wee issue and uh, notifications, etc. were probably the only way you knew that this video was going live yesterday. Um, So, that is giving me an opportunity to say, remember, and go on YouTube and click the notifications bell so that you never miss a minute of Celtic content. Paddy, Sinnott, big game tonight. We've heard all the cliches getting rolled out. Will we be able to look at the, the last section of the game against Motherwell and continue that kind of performance? It was more of a kind of shackles-off performance. Can we continue it into another game, though? I hope so. I hope so. Um,
2: I th- the first half against Motherwell was... Well, we all seen it. It was, it was brutal. It was pretty poor. But then that second half was just phenomenal. I mean, they, they looked like a different side. And then um, the substitution by Rodgers was 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 brilliant as well. Completely turned the game. Gives a different outlook. Uh, gives a different out ball, not outlook. Uh, and either you've got to say, took his chance and took it brilliant. Uh, and the guy caused them hassles pretty much the whole game. Um, I'm hoping we can start. As, as, as we finished, but we've had a couple of these kind of false dons this season, haven't we? Um but this today it's positivity today. Rangers are away to Kilmarnock, hoping that McKinsey yeah. will do us a favour. And if we can pick up a pot that could pick up with three points a day,
1: it's game it's game one again. It definitely is. I heard Patrick you were talking about looking forward to tonight's game. Um it's incredible what, what Celtic's form can do for your mood, Patrick. Mm. It can ruin your entire week. Uh to go I mean, as I say, though, trying to keep the, the momentum going, it's another buzzword we hear time and time again, has been difficult for Celtic this season. Sometimes it's due to injury. You can't play the same team. Uh, Novrovsky again, you know, another injury um, on the treatment table. Uh, and it has been an issue. But you're looking, hopefully, towards some of the substitutions that Brendan made against Mullerwell. Um, and then for them to start, but to start at the same tempo and uh, with the same kind of um, intent... Because what's happened in the past is a lot of these guys have got the starts after a good substitute appearance and they've not had the same impact.
0: You seem to be starting games awfully slowly and then you know the substitutes come on and maybe in the second half we're picking up a bit of form or a bit of, a bit of urgency, certainly when we're behind. I mean, I think you've seen that at the weekend and against Aberdeen um, a few weeks ago. But uh, I mean you've just got to sort of hope that guys like Yang who came on, Carter Vickers back in the side after a few games out, eh, Palmer on the score sheet again for the first time in a good couple of weeks. I mean the last goal I remember him scoring was um was finer I'm sure he's probably scored since then, but it, it feels like an age since he's contributed at all. Um but it's good to see these these subs having an impact and obviously the form that we're in, you know, they end up starting the next game. So they need to really kick on from the first whistle as opposed to being you know having a score full of guys who come who can come on and influence again. I think you've seen that with David Turnbull in the last 12-18 months of his Celtic career. He would start a game and then he'd be slow and he wouldn't really impact. But even this season, I think, the first half of this season, he scored seven goals. Eh, and I think a lot of them were probably off the bench. So, I, whether it's a style of play, whether it's, you know, we're making bad starts in games, you know, players need to, need to start performing from the first whistle, not just in the last 30 minutes of games when we're chasing the game. And, you know, tonight's a good... A good opportunity to show that. I think in four months Dundee have won four games and it's about with three teams in the league, St Johnson, Ross County, and twice against Livingston. So tonight's you know a bit like the weekend, a chance to grab a few goals, build confidence, go on a wee run and um just sort of build momentum going out to Tynecastle because that'll be a that'll be a massive game.
1: That'll be a tough one. John, I've heard a lot of chat around how the moods of the Celtic fans can affect the players on the park. And I've kind of got mixed feelings about it, John, because I think, you know, even if you go back to your old fella's day, and I've talked to a lot of guys that played with your dad, and, you know, they got stick as well. You know, there's this fantasy that Jimmy Johnston got a 10 out of 10 every game. He didn't. And people in the jungle used to shout at Jimmy Johnston as well. I mean, surely as a footballer and as a a player that that comes to Celtic Park and you're going to get all the plaudits when things are going well, you're gonna to have to take it on the chin if they're not going well. The Celtic fan for me will always tell you if you're not up to scratch. And I just think you've got to live with that. Because last week we were hearing from Brendan, if you're not up to that task, you shouldn't be here. And this week he was talking about how the mood can kind of go from the, the stands to the pitch. I just think you, you just step up to that, John. See it as a challenge, overcome it.
3: No, I, I've I've never believed that. Um, I, you know again, it's the, the players that set the mood. Uh, you If you give the fans something to cheer about, they you know they'll do their job. but if, if they're watching dross uh, then it's very very difficult uh, as a fan to you know get yourself up and you know you, the, there are plenty of occasions where in other clubs there's a lot of negativity uh, and the fans could take a lot of heat. I think the best that we can do is and we generally do is we you're just not really making much noise. Uh you know, again that first half was a it was shameful, absolutely shameful. And um and I think I commented at half time if we can upper level by fifty percent, we'll reach the lofty heights of abysmal. Yeah, so fortunately, fortunately we upped our game by about 150%, which, uh, you know, I wasn't really expecting. Um, But, uh, you know, the the talk, uh, look, it's a great, it's an enjoyable narrative for the fans to think that you can have a real impact. And of course, if you were just constantly booing people all the time, then, you know, uh, that would potentially have a negative impact but because you're not going off your head with sheer joy when you're watching absolute dross, you cannot blame the fans for that you cannot suggest that it's up to the fans it's up to the players and the manager to set the stage the fans then do their part but you've got to give us something to get our teeth into you know because even faithful through and through doesn't inspire a sudden song you know uh, so it, there has to be something there from the team and Nothing there at all in that first half. And, uh, you know, again, I was just sitting there going, two empty jerseys in the wings again, which is what I was saying last week. Uh, You know, why even play with the wingers? We've now got two empty jerseys in the wing. And then the second half comes and the two wingers are crucial. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, but that's the problem. And as you said, if 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 Yang had played the first half of that game, I don't know. We, we haven't even seen a full game out of one of them, at the, the required level. Never mind a full game and then back up in another game. So there's a better than even chance tonight if we look at what's happened so far that Yang and Palmer start and they're rotten. You know. However, that said, I also said last week. Um, that uh, when we were talking about Kun, I also said that Yang, even when he wasn't playing well, you could see he has the physical att- attributes. You could see there's something there to work with. Uh, and when he came on, the one, the reason I was so impressed with him was because he didn't tie and beat five men. You know, he he did the the easy thing. He did a lot of the times the simple thing, but he did it early. He Mm -hmm. did it at the right time. He played early balls. He linked beautifully with Alistair Johnson and at times uh, Matt O'Reilly. And to me, that was super impressive because that was what the manager was saying about him. He he didn't know when to let the ball go. You know, so he felt as if he was trying to beat the entire team uh, and then trip over himself. So he didn't do that at all. And what he did was play very, very well with his teammates and systems work. If the system is working, that's something you can bank on rather than, you know, whether an individual player is having a phenomenal game. You know, Yang playing that kind of game doesn't necessarily need to be at 100%, you know, because he's linking up with Johnson, he's linking up with other players um, and he's doing it really, really well. And he's putting early crosses in, then he's getting to the byline. Tremendous. Unfortunately, it proved that the other thing that I said last week, which was, couldn't, I just don't see it. And I don't consider myself a good enough judge of a player to be writing people off early because I'm not I'm not an expert. But that's why I always hedge my bets when it comes to players. Always hedge my bets. Say, look, you can see there's something in them, even Big O, all the rest of your life. You can see there's something there. I don't know if he'll make it at this level, but you can see there's a player there. I don't know what we saw in the, 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 you know, Clearly, clearly um, the boy has had a track record. Mm, so yep. there must be something there. There must be something there. But he's, as I said last week, he's the first player I've seen in a long time that I just can't see any redeeming qualities. He's small, he's weak, he's ineffective, he's scared, and he doesn't deliver. You know, I, I, we, we spoke about it, you know, I even spoke about it as, as you know, uh, you know uh, about the courage to continue creating you need to have that but to have the courage to continue creating you have to create something first you have to at least try something yeah you know and then if it doesn't work and you, you go back into your shell then that's not good but you got to try something I just I don't see it I, I think our only option really on that side now is Yang uh, realistically Coon's been tried I would much rather see James Forrest on the bench because we we're pretty much guaranteed Kuhn is offering nothing, nothing at all. Uh, and I'd much rather see James Forrest on the bench. At least he brings experience. Uh, and, uh, you know, if we if we had to, you know, t- if you have to take Yang off and bring James on, at least, you know, he might not be uh, the, the matchman or be will not let you down. Uh, and I, I think Coon's an absolute liability at this stage. Maybe there's a player there in the future. I can't see it just now. But and again, this is I'm, I'm basically revising the whole last week now because uh, basically what we were talking about was how many players we have that are at that stage,
1: mm.
3: or that, that there could be a player there, or that they might be a good player, or you know, well, you never know. You can't write them off. But we got too many guys like that, you know, and they're not good now. And we need them to be good right now. Right now, you know? yeah. So, But I'm, I'm I'm really looking forward to tonight, though, and uh, very much hoping that for the first time this year, we can actually follow on from a positive performance
1: with a positive start. I hope so, John. I mean, I'm glad to have uh, brought the wingers up because it's a whole conversation in itself. Paddy, I'm glad also that John mentioned James Forrest because he's been off the, the kind of radar, really, uh, since... There was a bit of interest, or the club were interested in moving him on in January. That story broke near the end of the transfer window. But when you look at the the wingers we've got, I agree with John in that you've got to go with someone who's already bedded into the side. Kuhn isn't. Whatever happens with him in the future, I'd love to see him becoming a, a, a contributor in the Celtic side. But he hasn't shown that he's going to do that yet. Some people at the weekend were saying, it's not the winger's fault. We're not playing fast enough. We're not playing the ball fast enough to them. Why was it then that Yang was able to contribute effectively when he came on, Paddy? Because when I seen Kuhn, I, I do see a guy who's scared. He's scared to, oh, to take responsibility. Yep. Turns back on himself all the time. Yep. Doesn't want to take a man on. Um, so you've got to go with the impact. And I think at the moment, the impact is Yang on the right. I, the the Kuhn thing fascinates me because you think
2: coming to a, a club, like Celtic, when with a £3 million movie would be busting your gut to kinda of impress or or you'd be full of confidence, but the guy just looks a shadow. He just I agree with you. He looks scared. Every time he gets a the ball, there's no endeavour to go forward with it. It's as if when he comes up against a, a defender he doesn't know what to do, sell, so he passes it back. Um the difference between him and Yang is I think Yang looked for it, whereas Kun doesn't Kun, Kun just seems to kind of wait for something to happen. It's one of the it's one of the guys who looks as if he's looking for the ball, waves his arms and then but doesn't really want it. It's def- he's definitely def- hiding his long confidence. Um and if you're sitting here telling us at the start of the season it would be rhyme and Yang into the last ten games of the season to create it for you would be like, what the hell's going on? Do you know what I mean? Because even back at the start of the season, Yang looked like that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. He, he, looked, yeah. he looked like a player that didn't he that didn't have the confidence, didn't know what to do with the ball. And like John said, he would he would kind of try and take on a man and, and foil fire himself. So mm-hmm. It's it's quite amazing. I thought Yang was really good as well when he came on. Um, he, he he just looked a bit sharper. He looked hungry, um, and it and it was creating as well, which is good. I think he created two chances when he, when he came on. He was all on for like thirty minutes, and he did more than that thirty minutes than not done the last three games. Um, so, aye, ah, it, it it's it's kind of amusing. Um, it's also amusing the fact that we're talking about kind of bringing James Forrest back when he he was another one that was pilloried at the start of the season. Um, not not for what he could, I suppose, but because we're still using them. Um when those days should have been gone maybe two seasons ago, should have had a replacement for Forrest. Um I think Yang will start tonight. Definitely think he'll start tonight. Um he, he deserves to after he's half an hour and hopefully he can he can kind of link up with whoever starts up front um and get us a few goals that we need because the goal difference is, is looking as if might it might come into play at the end of the season.
1: Yeah, I think so, Barry. And um, more than ever before, you've got uh, one eye on the other result as well. It just what yeah. happens with a title fight. And, you know, I think it's a good point, uh, Patrick McGill, to, to bring you in on this one with regards to Yang, because you could almost bookend the two games at Firth Park. I remember him having a really weak first half against Motherwell, and he was hooked at half time. So it was almost like a reverse of what happened at the weekend there. He came on and made an impact. He failed when he started uh, to make an impact against Motherwell. But I just put that down to the fact that he's been at the club now for, what, half a year? He's kind of bedded into the ways of the club, and, and I think he is grown into the player that he might be. Going back to what John says, that's not the type of player we need right now. So if Kuhn comes in and it doesn't look as though well he's going to make an immediate impact, I just think you just take him out the, You take him of the team. Um, bench him or worse, because obviously I think if, if Forrest comes back in, we'll only need one right winger on the bench. Um, but I just think that you, you've got to go with the form players right now. And yeah, if you had said to me at the beginning of the season <laughs> that we're going in to yet another must-win game and, and Yang's the, the shining light down the right-hand side, I probably wouldn't have believed it. But he is—he's bedded in, he's settled in now, and he deserves a start for me, Patrick. What's your thoughts?
0: Yeah, I think you know you've got to be got, you've got to go in the form player, and uh, you know obviously. We, we don't have many of them, so you have to go with the ones that you have at the moment, the the sort of the run that we're on. But if you go back to late September when that when that first model game happened, um, you know, he'd only been in in the building in the country maybe two months or something. Uh, young guy obviously. And you can see he's got talent, you can see he's got skill, you know, fast player. Um I mean, they can be quite a thuggish team at times, Motherwell, and I, mm. I I think I remember quite a lot of really harsh tackles early on in that game, and I think it was probably taken aback, maybe a bit fearful, a bit scared to sort of play his own game, and he's obviously struggled, he got the goal in November against Aberdeen, um, but he struggled to sort of retain his place in the side, and then, you know, I think Rogers was talking about, you know, when he released the ball and decision-making and things like that, and Obviously he's a young player so he's going to learn that over time and you know we've seen at the, the Kelly game he tries to cut inside one too many times we lose the ball and then we concede. So it, it's been a bit up and down for him but he's obviously uh, massively involved in the two goals that we score An injury time at the weekend and you know I, I think he's looked positive in spells it's just about getting that consistency and it's hard for a winger because obviously you're taking that chance every time you're on the ball but as long as you're you're popping up with the odd goal you odd assist a bit like Palma was in the first half of the season even if you're maybe not excelling like Jota was for two years as long as you're contributing I think you know that's certainly enough to get us over the line this season and enough to get my starting place in this squad because um, you know as you say guys like Kun, again you've got to question the decision making at the, the sort of upper levels at the club giving a guy like that five and a half years mm-hmm. I mean the guy, I don't think he's stayed more than two years at any club. He keeps on working his way down and down. Bayern, eh, I think we got him from. Was it Rapid? We we bought him from. Eh, yeah, and we're giving the guy new enough a six year deal. And you know, you wonder how long he's going to be hanging about the place now, eh, whether we're ever going to get rid of him. So no, I would I would go with I would go with Yang. Um, I'd be tempted to go with Palm on the other side eh, tonight, but I think I'd like to see my Maeda back in the team actually come. Come Sunday, because obviously, a you know, tough place to go. Team Castle. I think you need as many physical players as what you can get. So, you know, we'll see how Yang does tonight, and then I don't know. I think he might end up changing it again come the weekend.
1: I th- there's been a few points that the Brennan Rodgers has made, uh, Paddy, with regards to team selection. Um, you know, we were asking maybe at half time if Kilgore had been injured, and it, it became clear he hadn't been. And, you know, uh, Brendan Rodgers, after the game, spoke about the fact he was struggling to get in behind the defence and he thought either would have done better and he proved that he did. Um, is it a case of a game-by-game basis now, Paris? And I don't think it's a, a case, and this has been levied at Brendan Rodgers, that he doesn't know he's best 11 and all this kind of stuff from the usual culprits. Is it a case of just using the personnel for whatever game you're playing, more offensively than defensively? I think you've got a fixed defence when everybody's fit. But it's in the attacking options that you know it's a bit of a mix and match at the moment, isn't
2: it? Aye, definitely. And I, I, I think he addressed that. at The press conference yesterday, how important the score is going to be, and and if it means that if we start cool and it's not working, and we change it to either, then that's what we need to do. And 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 he's done it twice this season already, and it's worked. Um, so, aye. I mean, I think the important thing is like the one of the boys I said before is we we start properly. We can't wait until. We make changes, um, and to get the team playing again, we need to start. He needs to pick the team that's going to start. The way the game finished against Motherwell, um, because if we continue to do that, and especially if we do it against Hearts, we may break the game. The game may about a sight before before half time mm. comes, and we can't afford that. Got to be on the front foot uh, every game uh, we step into. Um, so I and I think um, Rogers also obviously had a wee a, wee, a wee dig at the fans for doing the substitution of a latter. Um, and I think he took him off for, for Bernardo, who's another attacking player. Now, Bernardo didn't really do much when he came on in the game. But but I suppose really about what he does. It's, it's what he gives the opposition to think about. So if you if you've got another attacking player on, it gives him something else to worry about, which opens up more space for the other attackers. So in mm. a way, I can understand why why the decision to take half a while was played, because he was playing well. But on the other hand, that was his first game since two and defeat. Come so he's probably he's not match fit. And, and he was taken off simply for that. I, I believe, and also to give us more attacking options. But the, the 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 game now isn't really always about your start ones. It's about squad, as we all know. Rodgers used it perf- perfectly on um, against Motherwell on Sunday. But like I said, he's got to get he's got to get his starting eleven bang on in every single game in the last ten games of the season, because we kind of continually keep going behind against these teams because. It's a, it's a massive gamble, and we've and already shown that when we go behind, we do struggle to actually create. Um, so yeah, definitely use a squad, get the get the, the start in right tonight, and let's see what we can do. Let's get a get a good few goals and and, and try and kind of assert our dominance again. But do you
3: not think, uh, do you not think, Parry, that the the reason the fans booed? Uh, wasn't a tactical sub. It was because Alata was the only person in the midfield that was having a good game. That's what I said, John. So I well, mean, he was I... the only person in the midfield. So what the fans were basically booing is, take Matt O'Reilly off. Take CalMack off. Do you know what I mean? But, well, I... Because you're too, they're too scared. They're basically booing because they thought the manager was too scared um, to make that, that decision.
2: I can understand that, right? Because uh, the, the first 45 minutes, O'Reilly was anonymous. And he's probably been anonymous the last couple of games, to be fair, Um but then if you take off O'Reilly, you're taking off one of your attacking threats. And he into the game when I was taking off. He, he came onto the game towards the end because I, I was actually writing up, I was, I'd actually started writing up my piece in 6-7 Hill-Hill for the, the three things that we learned and I'd already sp- written about O'Reilly and how he's anonymous and then obviously I was, I was writing the, 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 the piece for a draw and then obviously we got the two goals at the end so I had to rewrite the whole bloody <laughs> thing again that like I had to do <laughs> against Kilmarnock last week because I thought we oh, were going to win against Kilmarnock so... But if they're taking he's taking off another attacking threat. And I think I mean,
3: Yeah, something. I mean I I I don't I, I, the issue is, isn't it, really, that it's not really O'Reilly. You can't take Matt O'Reilly off because no. he still has magic in his boots. He can Aye. still create something. Yeah. Even even if it's one moment in the game, he can still create something that no one else can. So then really you're into, you're gonna swap out your captain for a water. Yeah, uh, and we've seen we, we know that he's not going to do that. And I think that's just why I, I don't think the fans are happy with that state of affairs because if guys are not playing well, they should be hooked no matter whether they're wearing an armband or not. But anything, uh, because yeah.
2: McGregor could also do that as well. He can also pin that pass through. He can also create that kind of space in the middle of the park, whereas a I suppose is more of the, the holding player. Do you know what I mean? We were, we were at a position against Motherwell where we had most of the ball we were attacked most. So it made sense to kind of take off a defensive minded play to bring on another attacker to you go for the win. So yeah. I, I think I don't I don't know. I, I Rogers was kind of damned if he didn't damned if he didn't and he went he, he chose he chose to take off a water. The gamble paid off we got the win um, so I it, it's catch twenty two for the manager right now. Well, uh,
3: that that was you know that particular substitution. I don't think made the slightest bit of difference really, because um, none of where the goals came from came from the came from the. Uh, the no, but, the what I mean is,
2: uh, but what I mean is, but uh, what I mean is, and I did say Bernardo didn't do it, but it, it does yeah. offer, it does make the opposition think where he's going to be because he's an attack-minded mm-hmm. player. So,
3: I, I don't know. That's the other thing. When did Bernardo become an attacking-minded player? Do you know yeah. what I mean? Because yeah. it's only it's only really since the Rangers game. What was the game before the Rangers game as well? He had like three uh, or four St. games. in Sam Mirren, I think. He he was was St. 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 Three St. appearances, <laughs> scored three goals. But that's the first we'd ever seen him. You know, an attacking sense, yeah. Because he, he, he was basically, he, he was getting brought off the bench, wasn't he? He played in the Champions League and showed it up. And then he, we were trying to play him in difficult games to shore it up. Because, he, you know, he's really defensively minded. And now he's an attacking midfielder. Now, I know he scored a few goals, but is he an attacking midfielder? Is that what we're saying now? I don't think we actually know what he is yet. Yeah. <laughs> we,
2: don't really, right? we don't really <laughs> see enough of him, I suppose. But I I mean, I that, think... that was Rodgers' reason, I suppose. But
1: That's the reason he gave, Paddy. And again, yeah. he'll, he'll pin his, uh, his heart on the fact that we won the game and he'll say, well, it worked. But when we go in tonight... Um, I, I mean, against Dundee at home, you would hope that we would be no gung ho, but, you know, set up in, a, in an attacking sense. Is that going to be on his mind? Is he now viewing Bernardo as an attacking kind of style of midfielder? Does he get a start? Because I thought Awata came in from the cold and done really, really well. I mean, in terms of his data, I think that matches the eye test as well. He, he was breaking down Motherwell attacks. Big straw, he's strong, very, very strong in the tackle. Um, I think he's got a good range of passing. And I just felt he gave you a wee bit of insurance there between the, the centre-backs and your midfield too uh, but does he start tonight? I'll ask you, the three of you, Paddy Sinnott does Awata get a start? Does Bernardo get the jersey?
2: Nah, it's got to be Awata for me I think he I think he needs to start he's done enough, I think, against Motherwell to, to, to warrant it um, Bernardo's had we you mean, know how many chances Bernardo had now and he still failed to nail down that place and that's been a problem position for Rodgers since Atat to get injured so mm-hmm. um for me, he's got the jersey. It's up to him to lose it. Um, hopefully, we'll put on a good performance tonight and um, uh, he gets
1: to keep that place. Yeah, what do you reckon, John? Because I know Brendan's talking about horses for courses and all that kind of stuff. Sorry, horses, not horses. Horses for <laughs> courses. And, uh, but I mean, I've been banging on a bit of a while because I just don't think anyone has claimed that jersey. Bernardo played well for, I think, maybe four games before the break. Uh, and the, the peak of those games was obviously against Rangers. He scores a goal. I think he got man in the match, played really well. But he's not done enough for me to to staple that jersey. And and I think that a water on that on that shown against Motherwell deserves another start. John Hughes, what do you reckon?
3: Yeah absolutely um the problem, I mean when I was at that Rangers game, we won that game in the midfield, hands down, won it in the midfield all three players were excellent. But since then you know we, we've had a problem with forum, uh, and previously you would have said, "Do we really need a defensive midfielder in a game like this tonight?" And I think that's what Brendan might be thinking: Do we really need a defensive midfielder? I think we do. I I, I really think we do need a defensive midfielder because teams are basically able to run right through as it will at the moment. And uh, I mean that that left hand channel is just absolutely nightmare at the moment. Yeah. It's just absolutely. Dangerous. Uh, so we do need someone who can step in, even if, you know, because remember, obviously, the thing about Water was, as everyone knows, uh, most of his games were played at centre half. Yeah, uh, in his in his career, but I, I I really think he's an exceptional player, and I think that you know, as I said uh, last week, he, he had nailed down that spot just before he had the enemy, just before he got injured, uh, and I think it's only fair he gets it back because I I think he brings a lot more than just. Breaking things up, but if breaking things up is all he does, I'm happy with that as well. Yeah. You know, because you know you, you have to rely on your different uh, segments of the team, different elements of the team to do their job. If his job is to stop attacks, if his job is to break things up and move the ball simply, that's brilliant. Because then you have to rely on your offensive players to do their job, and you know you, it's not possible to be all things to all men. All men. You know, Claude McAlealy wasn't messy, you know, so uh, you, you, you can't do everything. So if, if, he, if he can do his job extremely well, which I believe he can, better than anyone else on the side, um, then, uh, you know, for me, he has to start. But I think there's a real danger that we'll start with Bernardo. Well,
1: I, I, I can see both sides of that, because a game against Dundee at home, Patrick McGill, you would think you can... I'm not, And I'm not saying going home. But take the shackles off, you know. But at the same time, I would feel bad if I didn't start the game because he seems to be like a very low-maintenance player. You get him to play right back all all the way through pre-season, he goes and does it. He plays loads of games at the end of last season at centre-half. He played in the Scottish Cup final at centre-half. And then he looks a lot better for me. I agree with John as a central uh, midfield player who's playing defensively. But do we need one of them tonight? Do you think he'll start, Patrick McGill?
0: I hope he starts, you know, I quite like him I've quite liked him You know the last 10-11 months, um, ever since Moy picked up that injury in March last year and he came in and he played really well against Rangers I remember at Parkhead and I didn't like him at centre half personally um, but I, I, I really like him as a defensive midfielder and um, I, I would put him in there, I thought he played well um, at the weekend, I know a few people have said he looked a bit slow and a bit ponderous but I don't know, maybe that's just the team as a whole this season. And not only that, as as Paddy said, his fitness isn't the best. He's, you know, he's not played since uh, Kelly, I believe you said it was, Paddy. Yeah. And, you know, Paul Bosas in the comments says, you know, Manchester City play a defensive midfielder every game and it doesn't mm. harm them at all. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Declan Rice has started most games for Arsenal. Uh, I'm not, complete, not comparing water to Declan Rice, but, you know, if a guy can come in, um, you know, break things up, move the ball forward and let your you know, you've got two midfielders further on, you've got your three attackers, you've got your two fullbacks. We really should have enough guys attacking to to play this one defensive midfielder to help out the two centre halves. So, you know, I think he's 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 quick, he's strong, keeps it simple. And I would I would go with him because, you know, as all three of you have said, Bernardo, he's came in, he's done well in spells, but he's not nailed down that position and this season of all seasons, it should be it should be fairly straightforward to nail that down, and he's not done it. So no. I would I would
3: I'd go say, with Awata. I say, unlike Declan Rice, I'm fairly sure Awata is uh, certain of what nationality he is. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes,
1: that's right. I, of course, we could have signed Declan Rice. That was a wee classic uh, Brendan Rodgers moment. I want to touch on on the Rodgers um, saga. That that kind of. Developed after the game, speaking, uh, obviously, to the BBC after the game, and it looked, for me, I'm not going to get into the, the S, Ys and buts because we've kind of discussed that today, Paddy, but I, I wanted more focus on the way that uh, the, the mainstream media reacted to it, you know, on, on social media, but also on all their, their usual channels and platforms. You know, before you know it, Brendan Rodgers is getting called a dinosaur. I felt as though there was an element of opportunism to just dive in on Brendan, and create bad headlines for Celtic. And I, I don't think that I'll be alone in saying that, Paddy, but, you know, it was a, for me, I felt it was a very, very cheap effort by a lot of uh, platforms to have a dig at Celtic and to have a dig at Brendan Rogers. What was your thoughts, Paddy, as you've seen that developing,
2: I think they just proved Brendan Rogers right about a bit narrative, didn't he? About the narrative the media has against Celtic. Listen, whether you think it was right or wrong what he said, um that that was definitely it look to me, my own personal point of view is a mountain at a molehill. Um, and when you look at John will probably know this better than me because where he lives, apparently that's common vernacular in Northern Ireland. Um the way Rogers speaks and he says look, I just think that the whole the whole thing was blown out of proportion. Um it was it was designed and it and, and it's been going on for what three days now until Rogers kind of put it to bed yesterday. Um, I I would rather just focus on kind of how he's going to make this team better than, than focus on a media agenda against our club.
1: Yeah, yeah, you're right. And it did. It, it absolutely underlined what Brendan's been saying, John. And I think yesterday we were talking about a siege mentality and how we should feed off it and just say, listen, we've seen it develop um, in front of rise over the last couple of days. That's what you're up against. Let's prove everybody wrong. Let's just keep our own backyard in order, John. Um, but you're not surprised when these
3: things happen, are you? Because we've seen it happen before. Well, I mean, for such an egregious transgression in language, I mean, I was thinking they should have been summarily executed or possibly publicly <laughs> flogged. You know, I mean, what a disgrace. What an absolute, oh my God. Oh, gee, I'm sure we, we were all devastated in our lives to, you know, have to deal with this, to have this impacting upon us. Oh, it's just awful! What a load of nonsense, mm-hmm. you know. And but I think what the media have found out, there's been a public shift away from like the, you know, I consider myself woke, I consider myself, you know, socially aware, but there is an extreme element. Uh, where you get the sort of cultists, but you also get people with an agenda trying to take advantage of something. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, yeah. look, look at that. Look at what he said. Did you see that? No, who, who are you? Oh, we're Rangers fans. Or, you know, whoever it is, the, the the one thing you have to start with was was the person who we spoke to offended. No. So why are you offended then on their behalf? You know, are you now just taking offence on other people's behalves? It's, it's just... It's absolute nonsense. And I think there's been a move away from this pile on unless, you know, especially social media pile on, unless uh, something was said with malicious intent, with, you know, uh, deliberately to do someone harm. In that case, then by all means pile on. But this notion that you're going to be, everyone's going to be aghast and piling on to someone, you know, either a slip of the tongue or, You know, perhaps it was slightly inappropriate, or or whatever it was, but it's nothing. It's not a thing, and the majority of people do not care. And I think what the media found out over the last few days, well they're trying to stoke this story, well they're trying to create scandal out of smoke, right? What they found is nobody cares. Anyone that does, some
2: people care. We
3: know we know it's. That's what I'm saying. Anyone that does care has a very clear and transparent and obvious agenda. Yeah. And that's either media guys trying to create a story, mm-hmm. um, you know, or it's other supporters from other clubs trying to create a story. As a normal punter from, uh, that isn't from Glasgow, if they care. Nobody cares, right? It's not a big enough deal to make a three-day story out of it. I thought it was absolutely ridiculous the way it was treated as if this was some huge transgression. You know, and it is common parlance here. Now, I say it all the time. I finish most half my sentences with "good man" or "good woman," right? Now, I say I only say "good girl," but I, I don't like saying that because it just uh, exposes how old I am, uh, you know. So, <laughs> but it would it would be more appropriate for me to say "good girl" and "good woman" half the time, you know. But I, I use that language um, a, a lot of the time, and it's it's not as you know, so when you take that basis to it as well, it's even less of an offence because you just, you know, maybe you should have said good woman. Would, she wouldn't have been, nobody would have been offended at that, surely. You know, uh, and it's just the, the inference, the condescending uh, part of, you know, saying Carol, but it is, it is relatively common here. And, um, you know, I, I just don't see, and even if it's not, it doesn't matter. The, the lady in question was not offended. She, you know, so what's everyone else's problem?
1: Yeah.
0: yeah,
1: they've got the White Knights coming along to try and defend. Yeah, uh, And the thing as well, with regards to it, I felt that the audio was slightly different than watching the interview uh, visually as well. Had it been edited to, to really make a, a play on the good girl? Because I, I heard it twice when I heard the audio. And when I watched the interview back, I think you said it once. But hey, um, who would do that to make Brennan Rodgers look bad? I'm going to ask you, Patrick McGulp. How do you think he dealt with it? Yesterday, I thought he uh, shut it down pretty well.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, th- I thought it was, you know, just sort of brush it aside is uh, how I wanted him to deal with it and he sort of done that. You know, he sort of went on a bit talking about the, the movie that he got the team to watch. I love that, I love that. That's
1: like, what we wanted Brendan. Typical, typical. I wanted him to stand up and show
0: everybody his <laughs> belt. I wanted them to go <laughs> to Phil this get get the full
1: hog. is the envelope.
0: wheel Yeah, Yeah, man. <laughs> uh, I, naturally, in typical Brent style, you know, he sort of took it a wee bit too far and went on a bit too long, but I mean, he, he was talking about how he isn't that type of person. You think to yourself yourself, it's so far removed from that. It's so far removed from what people are trying to make it out to be. Like, as John said, I think it was, was it Jane Lewis who interviewed him, um, she personally wasn't offended. So where's all this outrage? I think, you know, the people who are printing the headlines and talking about it online, they're outraged on behalf of someone that they think exists somewhere just to write a bad story about the Celtic manager or just to write any story about the Celtic manager. And yeah, I thought I deal, dealt with it quite well, just so I'd move on. You know, I I went into work yesterday. It was off on Monday, went in yesterday and I couldn't believe people are still talking about it because I thought it's it's just a totally normal you know, it's nothing major at all. Um but, you know, I'm glad we can move on and you know just about everyone out there can see sense that you know, he's, he's, it's just a slip of the tongue. It's just part of his dialect.
3: Yep, the, the fact The fact that you can get a talking head, you can pay someone from somewhere or find someone from somewhere to make a comment, does not make that comment valid. You know, if you go and get a comment from Sandra from the ultra-feminist group, all men must die, you know, that <laughs> doesn't make a valid comment. Do you know what I mean? It's just because they can find people like that the, the, the comments. This, this is it. Normal people have normal lives, mm-hmm. but well, this stuff just doesn't matter. Doesn't matter at all. And I think that's what they found out. I think most it's people gone. just don't care. Yeah, I just, just find it a quite,
2: that I found it quite reaction. I find it quite incredible what, what the media decided to get offended about this this week when there's certain other things get shouted for the stands that they, they're quite happy to turn a blind eye to. So I, I just found the whole thing incredible. Absolutely incredible.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. And by the way, thank you everybody for getting involved. 1100 live on this Wednesday afternoon. As I say, there was a wee issue with uh, the YouTube yesterday. It wasn't Axom, it was YouTube for a few hours. So to make sure you never miss your daily dose of Axom, um, hit the notifications bell, subscribe to the channel, give us a big thumbs up as well. Paddy Lavery, always an absolute pleasure. Afternoon to you. I hope you're there's There's Big John twice oh, on the screen. There he is. Look at that. In the avatar, John. There you are. What's wrong? You are. Sure well, you've made it. You've made it. <laughs> you're in someone else's avatar. Nice <laughs> one, Paddy. <laughs> nice one, Paddy. Jungle <laughs> Lion. Uh, we've got all the re- regulars coming in. Those police Green Brigade pictures were a disgrace yesterday. Yes, I, I was looking at that um, yesterday. And I'm not going to say it looked horrific. It was horrific. Yep. Paddy sent it. And it's one of these things that... You know, some people have got an issue with um, constantly, you know, filming the police, which I think is a contradiction because isn't that what the police do to football fans? You know, with the the body cams, etc. But that yesterday, um, the North Curve Twitter page, for anyone who hasn't seen them, go and have a look. Um was horrific, the way that fans are being treated going in and out of football grounds. Yeah. Um, targeted, I think I would say. You know, you've got cops with their batons drawn and they're on horseback. And you're thinking to yourself, what on earth is it we're doing here to to uh, be faced with that on a regular basis? Paddy, it needs called out. I mean,
2: the police had already tweeted their intentions, I think, two days before the game or a day before the game, that they were flying drones and stuff uh, outside the park for... The Fan safety, safety from what? Safety from potholes, um, in case they step into one. Do you know the whole thing completely baffles me? And I think also the police told the Celtic fans to be really early, but and then I seen photos on in, in social media saying that the fans were held at the side of the ground for 40 minutes um, while they kettled them in. I mean. Mm-hmm. What 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 have the fans done up until that point to to warrant that kind of treatment? Have they already been treated as criminals before they've done anything criminal or done anything of any criminality? It's, it's unbelievable how fans are treated at games. Um so I uh, that video that I, I seen the video yesterday is all well, you are talking about. Aye, uh, and the way they all piled onto that boy. Uh, and for what I'm led to believe he was just a young boy as well kneeling on his back and his arms. Um, Have they his learned head.
3: nothing? Have they learned nothing? I, I, I
2: didn't, they, I didn't they,
3: see they, that, John. That was a sinister thing. When the second boy comes in, he kneels on his neck and his head. Uh, and then, well, that's then illegal. The, then the third person comes round to block the camera. Right, well, that's so you can't see it. And so, so they're all piled on that side. So that was pretty sinister, I thought.
1: It's horrendous. Right. Uh, is every... Um, Football fan around Scotland being targeted in the same way, Paddy? No. Uh, Celtic uh, regarded as being a higher risk, and if so, why? When was why the last time happen? you
2: saw the police tweet out a photo of using drones at NR football ground? I've never seen it. I've never yep. seen that. Um, I've, I've I've been to a few games at Celtic Park, and there's always a heavy police presence. I've been near where the, the Green Brigade stand. Um, I've never been yeah, it, I've no party of it, but I've seen them when their body cams filming everybody's, you're basically being filmed for a crime you haven't even committed yet so there's an assumption of guilt before anything's even done, which for me is completely bizarre in this wee country Um,
1: See when I look at it, Parry I I just think to myself that they're they're being targeted Uh, I don't think there's any doubt about it um, they're, they're trying to criminalise uh, football going supporters, yeah. I, I, for me it, it reeks a kind of Thatcherism John, if you yeah. go back to the attitude that Thatcher had against the, the working classes and, and football fans yeah. uh, but they're ramping it up they're ramping it up, I mean Patrick I don't go to away games as often as uh, guys like yourself Declan McConville, Natasha Mikko, uh Kevin Graham, quite a lot of the Axon troops um, it's horrendous how Celtic fans are being treated, isn't it?
0: Yeah, obviously, you know, I think earlier in the season um, there was a game against Hibs that was quite poorly policed. Um, quite a lot of crowd, uh, sort of kettling, and crowd trouble outside. Uh, the 40-minute delay of the weekend there. What I would noticed, I mean, the video, I still got to watch stuff like that because, I mean, you, you think back to the stuff that happened in America three, four years ago and you know what the, the potential of what could have happened to that boy there by those guys you know kneeling on his neck his back his head or whatever um, but just the sheer number of police there I mean you, you think to yourself what is that for because all they're doing is causing aggravation mm-hmm. um, they're, they're aggravating people who are simply trying to get into the stadium I mean the vast majority of people there I'm sure there's one or two idiots but the vast majority of people there are just trying to get into the way end and they make it difficult by putting up these barriers Having police horses, I don't understand what that's for. How that can possibly serve any benefit in the modern age? Having guys on horses—probably call it a
2: petting zoo for the fans.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, how's it justified? This is the thing. Uh, I mean, is this uh, uh, is this intelligence-led, and where's the intelligence coming from? And and you know how authentic is it? I just think Celtic fans are being targeted. I think that's what this comes down to. Yeah. And, and then my next question would be, if that's the case, if there's a belief that that's the case, John Hughes, what does it, what does the club do about it? Because you've got to protect the fans.
3: Well, the, the club are always very reluctant to take any sort of uh, yeah. official position and stuff like this, but you do have to protect the fans. And if the fans are in danger, not from opposition fans, but from the police uh, then you have to deal with that. You you can't just let it go. And what will happen is there'll be a load of complaints filter through the liaison up to the club and they'll just say, ah, it's just the fans moaning. Um, but it's not. They're, they're supposed to be preventing a problem, not creating one, mm. right? So the, the kettle and telling fans to get there, you know, an hour early and then on them for 40 minutes and f- filtering them through as if they're cattle, you know, you want it to be treated as if you have some human dignity. Mm. And it is simply not good enough. And we saw what happened in uh, Paris before the, that Liverpool uh, final, wasn't it? And yeah. how how the, the police were almost entirely responsible for people getting very seriously hurt. And it could have been an absolute nightmare. Um, so the, the police, um, you know, again, I don't want to... You know, uh, liable all police officers because that's obviously not the case. But you know, I have dash cams front and back on my car, and if I thought I was going to be uh, having any interactions with the police, I'd be recording it because the one thing you see from social media constantly is you cannot trust a word they say, and they will fit you up in a heartbeat to suit the narrative, right? So, and I'm not like anti-police or anything. Like that. The police have a job to do. But I still I, I wouldn't trust them in a situation like that. Would you say, well, they've come in there uh, and they, they've come in there with a, a, an agenda. We're going to do this. Mm-hmm. We're going to sort these people out. This is the way we're going to treat them. Those people haven't done anything. There is no danger. Nobody's having any trouble getting into the ground. Just get out the road. Get out the road. And if trouble rears its head, do something about it. Well, I, I, you know, I, I... It's, it's, it's not good enough.
1: You know the offensive behaviour at the Football Act, John—the uh, only piece of legislation oh, to be geez. revoked in Scottish legal history—and yeah. you look at that and you think, right, the only reason that existed was to justify the attendance at football games of the police because it's a money-making endeavour. They make money by being there. Now, obviously, the legislation was revoked, so they now need to target somebody else, Paddy. They need to justify their existence to ensure that they go to as many games as they possibly can. And, you know, Scottish football was looking at non-policed football games. You know, it works all over the place. They were looking at um, ramping up the stewardship and making police... uh, basically be remote from the ground, just in case, you know, so they get about their business, but, you know, they do have everything in place in case something was to kick off. But I just think they've ramped it up to justify their presence so that they can continue making money from Scottish football.
2: I mean, the only job the police should do, in my opinion, is to make sure that the the, the home and away fans don't mix outside the stadium. That should be their their main thing. Um, But even at that, I mean, when's the last time you saw any trouble within a stadium between... Any fans, especially home sets of fans, I, I kind of recall. Even even in a, in a Glasgow derby game, I can. I mean, obviously, we, we can talk about obviously the bottles and I get good for the but I don't remember serious, proper crowd trouble at, at, at any time at Celtic Park. For I mean, I'm forty-seven, so God knows how long. But I, I I don't know. I mean. Stewards should be enough to to help kind of police fans kind of tend to police herself as well as as well anyway. So to have that amount of police attendance at a football game for me is just a nonsense, an absolute nonsense.
1: They've just for me they've really looked at a situation where there's been um, an upsurge in the ultra movement in Scottish football, and the now they're looking at that as being the meal tickets. I'm talking about Police Scotland. That's a meal ticket. They know they can go to Ibrox one week, Celtic Park next week, follow them all around the country and make sure that they still get the budget for doing so. Because for me, it's, there's no other reason for it. Um, Kevin Mullen, Afternoon Axon. Time for us to leave. All troubles we have with the board until the summer. We have double to win. Let's get behind the team on the hoops. John, it's funny how we, we talk about how... Um, when things are going bad, obviously we, we focus on the board, the, the lack of recruitment. We really do very quickly turn into, right, we need to win these games now. Let's put that to the side. We'll come back to that in the summer. It's incredible how quickly we do that, isn't it?
3: Well, it's, I mean, I'm absolutely buzzing for tonight. Yep. <laughs> I said to you last week, I was buzzing for that game. Yep. But then, you know, if you'd asked me at half time, you know, I was going to take a, a, a long walk off a short plank. You know, it, it, was, that, it was horrific. Um, so I know all of a sudden you know we, we have that performance and it's fantastic again. I just I thought it was it was real positives in that for me. It's not just a blind sort of arc oh, well you know there was real positives in that for me. Uh, you know the the two main ones being Yang and Ida and Ida in particular uh, because up until that point I hadn't seen anything. I mean he didn't look as if he could score a goal from open play. Uh, but then to score those two goals, so basically he scored a certain, you know, absolute bullet. It was just fantastic. Mm-hmm. And then he stole Kyogo's goal. <laughs> so if, if, that's, that's the kind of ball and Kyogo had been waiting for the whole game. Then he was there to get it. I, 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 I wasn't convinced he could do that because mm-hmm. he'd missed, apart from the two penalties, he'd missed a good few sitters. And so I I thought that was now on the, the positive again is if my Ada has his shooting boots on, I, you know, preferably this time he'll be able to tell the difference between when he should use his boots and use his head, you know, rather than you know, if he's going to dive at six and miss them. Um, but you know, that game could have been a bit more comfortable. Um, but the big Eda, I think that's really really encouraging. That was very Jackamacus like at his peak, he looked. That, that was such a good header I mean he just bodied those boys uh, it was a um, fabulous bit of skill um, and the, the second finish was brilliant uh, and so I think there's real cause for hope there uh, because when I was pushing like four four two, and there's still a very strong argument for that I was saying that you know Ida is just the target man to get Kyogo into the game mm-hmm. then that is a price we have to pay to get Kyogo into the game. But what makes you very, very effective as a target man is the threat of actually being able to score goals yourself. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's, uh, you know, because if he's just standing up there linking play with Kyogo, you know, they'll not be that worried about him. But if he's scoring goals like that, that's phenomenal. That's that absolutely is. phenomenal. And it really does we're almost certainly going to drop Kyogo though, aren't we? We're almost certainly going to go four, three, three and drop Kyogo. Uh, and I would just love to see some way we could do a four-four-two. And I, I know Yang and Palmer, you know, will, will go on and get their chance. Uh, I'm fairly confident they'll go on and get their chance. But you know, they, again, there's a risk that they'll just not be consistent. Um, so you know, if Bernardo is good enough to come on, and we have to take the best player on the pitch off to put him on, why not play all four of them? I know. I play and Kyogo up front. You know, Yang was good. Will he be good this time? Don't know. Palmer was good. Will he be good this time? Don't know. You know, it's, it's a fifty. It's a coin toss. I know. I think tonight is is one of the
1: opportunities, though, John, that he could try that because Brendan. I'm talking about. You're looking at the um, the way that Taylor and, and Johnson played in that second half as well. You know, much higher line. Uh, the ball from Taylor to either for the the headed goal that you were talking about, John. I thought was brilliant. I mean, you, you were going Sutton-esque goal. I was going Tosh McKinley-esque cross from <laughs> Greg Taylor. Uh, I loved that. I loved a wee bit of that. Um, quite a few other points I want to run through before we uh, wrap up. Brian Degnan was on the other week. He was talking um, about the Shamrock CSC that he is involved in. I love a bit of activism, of course. And we've got uh, Brian Degnan involved in the supporters club there down in Swindon. And what they're doing, let me just bring this up. Sunday the 3rd of March, uh, doors open 11 a.m. 12 p.m. kick off the cop Bar in Swindon. They're obviously going to be watching the Celtic versus Hearts game at Tyne Castle. Should have been Hearts versus Celtic, and there's going to be an Easter egg collection because they're supporting the Swindon Food Collective. So fair play to Brian and the troops for that one. Um, there was a story breaking, Patrick McGill. I wanted to know what your thoughts were on Bournemouth and the um, the stake of Hibs that they've bought. Obviously, in recent times, there's been a lot of uh, discussions around dual ownership. And uh, Scottish uh, authorities realise that maybe it's a good thing for Scottish football for an English club to be involved in some way. Um, and I'm looking at Bournemouth and Hibs and maybe some kind of uh, flow of talent either way between the two clubs, strengthening another Scottish club in the top league. Uh, and my point would always be Hibs, Hearts, Aberdeen, and also Dundee United, who are not even in the league at the moment, should always be doing better. I- I'd be all for this. You know, if the English money which is there and we know it's always going to be there now. If we can tap into it somehow in Scotland, why not? I don't have an issue with it. Make these teams stronger. Make the, the, the league better because obviously Celtic then have to up the, the ante as well.
0: Yeah. I I don't think it can be a bad thing. Um you no know, they're not in it to you know asset strip or take any money out of Habs. They're obviously going to want to invest and make Hibs better and, and sort of increase their value. Um, you know, if they can if they can transfer the best practices and the knowledge and you know the systems that Bournemouth have in place, because as much as they might not be hitting the heights of you know Spurs or Newcastle or anything like that, at the top half of the table, I think they've only got twelve thousand capacity stadium. I think Easter Road's bigger than Bournemouth stadium, so they've obviously done really well. You know, obviously firstly under Eddie Howe and then uh, other managers since to to get back into the Premier League and and stay there for a, a couple of seasons. Um, so if they can improve Hibs and mean, I agree with yourself, You know, I think there's those five, six teams that should be in the top flight in Scotland competing for the European places. I think Scotland has five European places now, depending on who wins the Scottish Cup. So I think to have those teams consistently in Europe and sort of building and making a mark in Europe and bringing more money into the Scottish game, I think can only be a good thing. I don't think it'll be a, a Chelsea or a Newcastle or a Man City where you know, guys come in and start splashing the cash and they are going to challenges for the title. But, you know, if they can improve Hibs and be more consistent in the top half and bring those best practices and even bring players up on loan, you know, this the, the way we've done with Man City's players, um, just sort of form a relationship with a team in a bigger league with more money, I don't think it can be a bad thing.
1: No, I, I'm all for it because I just think that you know, there's so much things about the Scottish game that are wrong, Paddy, but there's one thing, and that's the fact that it's so well supported by fans. You know, you look at the, the attendances, it's almost an anomaly, really, uh, how well supported Scottish football is. And that's why it angers me a bit that you've got authorities and such as the police who have been discussing who try to infiltrate the game um, and target fans and, and all this kind of stuff. They make it as difficult as possible to be a football fan. Um, but if somehow we can get an influx of professionalism, of uh, expertise, or even of talent, and through having some kind of dual ownership between clubs down south and, and clubs up here. And it makes Hibs, Hearts, London United, Aberdeen, maybe someone else stronger. Again, I, I just think it's good for Celtic, it's good for the game.
2: No, nah, definitely. I think anything that helps to raise the standard and raise a profile of the game is, is, is good. I mean, I, I don't know what any of you guys think, but I think we've got a pretty good product up here, I think it's quite exciting there's passion for the stands Um, you you get some quite good games as well out with, I mean I I watch football out with Celtic as well, some of the Scottish Kings I watched the Ross County game last night which was all right. Um, so I, I think anything that helps raise the standards of these teams who I agree should be competing for trophies here and competing better in Europe um, to help bring our coefficient up is a good thing for us, I and it will help. And, and, and I suppose in a, a kind of different kind of will we'll put pressure on our board to to, to put our hands in the pockets to make sure that we are poor game as well. Like he says,
1: "Yeah, uh, let's focus on tonight's game." Then uh, we've had a great good chat about who should and shouldn't be making the start of eleven. Uh, John, how do you see it going tonight, and what is your prediction? We'll obviously be live thirty minutes before kick off, as always.
3: Um, I, I'm hoping for a fairly solid three 0 uh, you know, Dundee, although they seem to be doing a slightly better under this manager, have been no real threat to us. Although we've beaten them twice in those games. What were, we're nil nil at half time? I, I just hope that we can come out with the same uh, energy that we displayed in the second half. I, that's what it's all going to boil down to. Um, there is, you know, if we can bring that second half performance to the start of this game the game could be over at half time and it's as simple as that uh, and but going going forward i have to say uh norovsky getting injured now I'm, i know that you were a fan of norovsky's i'm not convinced by norovsky at all but i'll tell you what i'm equally not convinced by the the way that motherwell targeted that left channel was really, really concerning. And obviously now they've satisfied the fact, everyone's sussed the fact, that Greg Taylor's vulnerable under the high ball, but so is Liam Scales. And the number of balls they put behind us, uh, Mother will can do that. You know, I don't think it'll be a problem tonight, but going forward, I mean, I don't know how we plug that gap, but we're going to have to do something because it's, uh, you know, they had so much joy out of that. It was really fairly scary stuff. But tonight... I don't see that being exploited too much, and I think hopefully uh, a handy
1: three niler. Yeah, I would like to see that uh, and a, a good performance as well. Patrick McGulp, uh, you said at the beginning of the show before we went live that you're looking forward to tonight. How do you see it going?
0: I'd like to see you score a few goals, three or four nothing. I'm thinking probably four nothing. Um, you know they've they're, they're having an all right season, Dundee. They're, they're sixth at the moment, but. A lot of the teams they've beat, I think most of their wins this season are against Livingston, Ross County and St Johnson, which are obviously the three you know, poorest sides in the, in the whole league. So I don't think they're, a, they're a, a great outfit. We shouldn't struggle that much if we if we play to our best. So I'd like to see us score a few goals, maybe sort of reduce the, the deficit when it comes to goal difference. Um, good performance and, you know, as John says, you know, we need to start from the first minute playing well, taking our chances and I think that's half the battle because Motherwell at the weekend could have been a lot simpler if we took our chances early on so it's just about taking those chances up front, playing well and getting a bit of confidence in the side as well, maybe get to 2 nothing as early as possible then you can sort of take the handbrake off and try and add a few goals.
1: How refreshing would that be Paddy Sinnott to see a, a, a response like that and a performance like that tonight because we've not seen it that often this season have we?
2: No, nah, it'd be good to see. I mean, tonight's result is going to depend on which Celtic team turn up for the first whistle. If we get that team that finished the game against Motherwell, we could win for a good few goals. <sighs> on the evidence we've seen in the last few weeks, I'll hedge my bets. We'll, we'll see. I, I don't know if we'll get four, but a couple of goals, as long as we get the three points, if I'm really honest, um, that, that's all that matters. Three points of good performance tonight is all that matters.
1: Yeah. And and Stevie boy. I think that you're referring to me with Dot Cotton. Uh, I have been called I have been called Dot Cotton in the past. Listen, I've not got an issue with that. What a great head of hair Dot Cotton always had. Um, I was a big fan, so thanks for reminding me. Yeah, thank you, everybody, for getting involved. 1200 strong on the Wednesday Bulletin. Absolutely fantastic. Give us a thumbs up. Subscribe to the channel. And if you want to come and see us live, we've got quite a few gigs coming up. We're organising uh, another one with a friend of Axon. This is going to be an absolute cracker. We've been working on it for a while, so we'll announce that soon um, as well. Thank you all for supporting what we do.
3: Before you and, go, Paul John, yes, yeah, just worth mentioning. Congratulations to you and Boy Martin there, who uh, he's just become a grandfather today, uh, and he made a wee donation to the channel as well. So good man yourself, you and Boy. Thank you very much for that.
1: Phenomenal, you and there he is. Let's bring you up. Hail, hail troops. A big shout out. I missed this, John. Thanks for uh, uh, letting me know. A big shout out to my daughter, Emma, who just made me a granddad this morning, giving birth to a beautiful baby boy. I'll win t- tonight. Good girl. And I- I'll win tonight and drop <laughs> points for Safeco. We'll make it up perfect day. <laughs> 20 quid from Ewan, supporting the channel as always. The big man, you have a good night tonight, Ewan. Um, you're a-, a real ambassador for Axon, and it really is appreciated. Um, and congratulations to you as well, fella. Uh, Thanks for everybody uh, for getting involved, and also thank you to Paddy, Patrick and John Hughes for joining me on a Celtic State of Mind. Network.